Hello and happy Veterans Day. And for those families and the veterans, both active duty and retired, I don't want to just say thank you for your service. I want to talk about your sacrifice and appreciate the fact that you have had many deployments and some veterans didn't come back home and some families are suffering and having to deal with that loss and that's a great sacrifice and for those veterans who were here i pray that we are sensitive to all that they've gone through for the service of this country and uh, we're in this together we're going to talk about tonight a topic about listening to god but at the same time what is our response in the Facebook posts and the Instagram and the YouTube, you will see that I put a lot of different types, types of responses. You could be angry, you could be surprised, you could ignore, you could be obedient. There's so many responses that we can give to the Lord when it comes to Him telling us the truth, giving us instruction and guidance, and us following or not following. Now, when it comes to those of us who say that we love the Lord Jesus Christ, he's told us he's the way, the truth, and the life. But what happens is when he tells us the way that we don't want to go, there's a choice. We talk about free will. But here we're going to have three examples tonight. I could talk about others, but there's three that I'm going to take the time to actually show you what happens when the Lord speaks to them directly, the persons that we're going to talk about. And I want you to consider your own life. Because all of us hear from the Word of God, whether it's the written Word of the Bible, which the Lord says, the Word became flesh. So the Lord has spoken His Word through the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit. We have opportunities to hear preach Word week after week. But how do we respond? This past Sunday, we talked about those four seeds again in Mark chapter 4. But at the same time, seeds fall on different ground. And depending on where you are in your openness to hear what thus saith the Lord, you really have to start thinking, Lord, what kind of ground am I having? Before I get to the first teaching, I want to show you out of James chapter 3. Because a lot of times there's a scripture that's spoken that says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I want you to look at this scripture, and it says out of James chapter 3, verse 5, and I want you to go through 13. I won't read all the scriptures. But again, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So this little member of the tongue is going to be spoken about. And it tells us so much about how we are responding to what God is speaking to us. And how we are either not listening, don't care, and what we do with that information. Here's a scripture that says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I'm going to let you all read the rest of those scriptures. But you say, what does it have to do with our listening to God? When your tongue is flapping and talking more than you're listening to God, it's hard for you to hear what thus saith the Lord. When you formed an opinion in your mind already, 
that God tells you to go left and in your mind you've thought so much, I'm going to go right. And what happens? You tell everybody you know, I'm going right and it's the thing I want to do. I want you to go now to Genesis chapter 4. I want us to look at one of the characters in the Bible that we often hear about. Many of you in your Sunday school lessons when you were a child heard about the story of Cain and Abel. But I want you to see the behavior of what happened in this story and how the Lord spoke directly to Cain. And I want you to see his reaction and his response to what the Lord said. So I'll give you some backstory. You have two brothers, Cain and Abel. One is a keeper of the sheep, which you'll see in the scripture, and one is a tiller of the land. So you have a farmer, and then you have a shepherd who tends to sheep. One tries to do and give his very best for the Lord, and the other one does what he wants. And in our lives, when it comes to us listening to the voice of God, we either will follow God or we'll follow our own selves. That's why the Word of God teaches us that we're supposed to deny ourselves daily. But look what it says in chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 3. And in the process of time, they've just told us that there's two brothers that's been born to Adam and Eve. But it says in verse 3, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now what you're going to see is that Cain didn't give his very best. You know how you go to the grocery store and you have clearance and discounted fruit and discounted produce because it's been there, it's almost wilted, it's almost past its, its ripeness. It's not the best and fresh. Well, when it came to what Cain brought to the Lord to be his offering to God, he didn't bring his best. He didn't bring his first fresh fruit. He bought his leftover, his clearance items, and thought that was good enough. Look what it says here. And verse 4 says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain, this is the response, was very angry. He didn't just say angry, was very angry. And his countenance fell. So break apart what happened. One brother, Abel, gave his best. The other brother gave his leftovers, what he felt like giving. And even in our family relationships, whether it's our Christian family relationships in church houses and worship houses or our relationships with brothers and sisters, cousins and nephews and nieces, family, you will see that some honor God and some, God, some put God in the very back burner of their lives. And there's some animosity there and there's some judgment there and there's some criticism there. But this didn't just start in 2018. This was Abel and Cain. Cain and Abel. He couldn't stand that the Lord respected Abel. But Abel understood that you give God your very best. That he's the author of our lives. He's the person that created us. We have to do our best for him. But look at how the response was. He was very angry. And his face got an attitude. His countenance fell. But look at this conversation that the Lord has with him. So the Lord said in verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, it's a conversation going on, Why are you angry? The Lord knows our disposition when he wants us to do right, when he tells us to do right. He shows us in the word of God what to do, but he sees how we respond. So God says, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? So he's seeing both behaviors, attitude adjustments and how he's feeling. That anger. And he comes back and says this. 
Verse 7 says, if you do well, question mark, if, conditional, if you do well, will you not be accepted? The Lord is telling all of us when he talks to us, and he talks every day. We just have to have an ear to hear. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you listen to the counsel and instruction of this book, your life will start to change. But look what he says. If you do well, will you not be accepted? But look what happens here. And if you do not, and a lot of us are in that if you do not, you'll hear the Lord wants you to fellowship, wants you to go to worship, wants you to pray, wants you to praise, wants you to give, wants you to go, wants you to make disciples. And you're like, no, no, bro, no, sister, I'm not doing that. But the Lord says here, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The bottom line is in the response of Cain that you all and we all have to think about is that God will tell us what to do. And he'll say, if you do it my way, you'll be accepted. I'll respect you. I'll bless you. But if you do it your own way, there's nothing but turmoil because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, that's one example. We're going to go to another example. We've often heard, and I think I've taught in the 22 episodes, I've taught about Peter a lot because people try to put Peter on a pedestal. He's a saint. He's a this. He's a that. Peter's a great example of a disciple like all of us are, where he makes mistakes. The Lord calls him on his mistakes, but he repents and he tries to ask the Lord for forgiveness. He doesn't try, he does. And then he goes forward in his relationship with Christ and he grows. So Peter, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26 and we're going to start in verse 31. And the setting is they just had the communion. The Lord has told them, Jesus Christ has explained to his disciples that somebody's going to betray him. He recognizes that it's Judas Iscariot. And some of the disciples ask, who, who, who? Is it me? Is it me? And he lets them know whoever dips. And he knows it's Judas Iscariot. But then he says the scripture. He says in verse 31, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now here's where you're having a conversation between Peter and Jesus. When the Lord is speaking to you about yourself, a lot of us don't want to hear it. My husband was telling me something on the ride home tonight. I didn't want to hear it because my mind was so focused on what I needed to do when it came to the teaching tonight. And I didn't just stop and listen. I cut him off. I didn't cut him off in a disrespectful way, but I didn't want to hear it because he was interrupting what I already had planned. But then I came back and I said, how are you going to teach about the, what the Lord is trying to teach you about listening in your response if you don't listen to your own husband who happens to be your pastor? So I had to kind of go back and say, I'm sorry. I didn't say I'm sorry. I'll have to say that later. But I'm saying, here's what Peter does. He says in verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, now, the Christ has told him something. Peter says back to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will not be made to stumble. Now, here's what God says to Peter. And I want you to hear how Peter 
didn't want to receive what Christ had said to him. Just like Cain didn't want to receive from the father, and he ended up killing his own brother Abel. Here is Jesus Christ telling Peter, this is what's going to happen with all of you as my disciples. But Peter's like, you don't know me. And that's what some of us do. We try to say to God, you don't know me. When David had the relationship with Bathsheba, he thought he got away with it. And then Nathan had to come and tell him a, a story, which was about himself, and had to come back and say, you are the man. We think we know ourselves better than God. And that's not the case. God sees and knows all. It's not a surprise to him what we do, how we do it, our attitude and our countenance about everything. But look what Peter says to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says back to him in verse 34. Jesus said to him, assuredly, like without a doubt, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. The Lord is not only saying to Peter in his face, I'm telling you the truth, Peter. I'm telling you not only that there's the truth, but I'm going to show you an evidence of how much I know is going to happen. It's going to be this night. And after you do what I've already told you, you're going to do, the rooster's going to crow so you'll remember what I'm saying to you, basically. But look what happens with Peter. Because we are indignant about the foolishness that we have about what we think we know about ourselves. God says to us in the word that his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher. He tells us all this truth, but we come back because we say, oh, we know better. But look what Peter does. Peter says back to him. Verse 35, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. That is basically telling Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's what some of us are doing with our life outside of the houses of God, outside of praying to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, outside of doing anything that the Lord is calling us to do. Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing just fine without you. I don't need your word. I don't need to fellowship with one another, with the believers. I don't need to be a disciple. I don't need anything. But when the time comes where the car is almost going to crash or that sickness comes about you or that child is misbehaving or something is happening, the first thing everybody, whether in church or outside, oh God, oh God, you don't know nothing about God or believe his word, but all of a sudden when that tragedy comes, oh God. But he throws that back into Jesus' face and say, I will not deny you. And so he had the follow the leader mentality where all the other disciples said, no, no, we, we're not going to deny either. They all came back after Christ said what the scripture said, that y'all all going to run. He, Peter started the trend to say with all the other disciples, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's what some of us are always saying. Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. You don't know me. We're going to go to a third character, Paul. Now, the thing about Paul, you hear that his name was Saul, and it became Paul when he had his conversion. He has both names, Greek and Hebrew. So, in the situation that we're going in Acts chapter 9, everyone knows about the experience on the D Damascus Road. But before you got to Damascus Road, Paul and all of the people of the 
the chief priests were doing all kinds of things to disrupt the Christian community called the way. The Christians were of the way, Jesus' community. Now, some of you think, what does that have to do with listening to God? There are people that are within the church, in the church, and they believe they are doing the work of God by being, my husband has this expression, being the detectives of the church, being the people who are always talking one way or another about what they think they should be doing in the church, what they should not be doing in the church. They have a better idea than the pastor, than any of the leadership in the church. They have a better idea of what God has said in his word of how to give, what to do with the giving. They just know everything. But in instances like Saul, you could be doing what you think is right. And it's contrary to what the word of God is teaching. It's contrary to what the voice of the Lord is saying in the word and his truth. And until God confronts you, you will even say, who are you? Who are you? When the pastor teaches something, who is he to be telling us that? Who, who does he think he is to be taught? Well, I'm just reading out of the Bible, many pastors say. I'm reading in the Bible that says that you need to teach your children when they're young until when they're old. I'm reading in the Bible where it says that you should honor. I'm reading in the Bible where it says you to give. I'm reading in the Bible where it says you should go. I'm reading in the Bible where it says, dude, you need to put down some stuff. You need to deny yourself. But people say, who are you? Here's verse, verse three out of chapter nine of Acts. As he journeyed, meaning Saul, he came near Damascus and suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice. This is a communication. This is Jesus talking to Saul. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, called his name twice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now remember, Saul was going around getting letters to drag men and women and children, anybody he found following after this Jesus Christ, pull them out and kill them at times, cause them to be harmed. He thought he was doing right. But look at what his response to what God just said, why are you persecuting me? He wants to know in verse five, and he said, who are you? Who are you, Lord? Many people in the church think they're following after the Lord, but they could be following after the devil. My husband just was teaching about a divided kingdom that the Pharisees were calling Jesus Christ said that he was Beelzebub. But what you have in churches when people think they're doing the will of God, but it's not in accordance with the word of God, they're contrary and they're causing persecution and division. And that's not what God does. God brings unity. And it says here, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, more of this conversation, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the response that all of us have to get to. Peter realized when the rooster crowed that he had done exactly what Jesus said, that Jesus knew him better. Saul, before he, as he was converting to Paul, realized 
that he was on the wrong side of truth. He realized that, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the response that God wants us all. When we hear the truth of his word, when we hear the spirit inside of us say, come, get in a relationship with me. Find yourself a Bible-believing, teaching ministry of God so that you can figure out where that hole inside you is coming from. You cannot live a life of peace. Money can't give you peace. Things can't give you peace. Relationships other than God can't give you peace or wholeness. You can try all the drugs and alcohol and parties and go do this and be on the, the, the games and the Facebook and play, 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 and you still won't fill that hole that can only be filled by asking the Lord, just like Paul says to you, to all of us, Lord, what do you want me to do? And if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, he first wants you to repent and realize that you've been living a life apart from him and sinning. And you need to say, God, forgive me. Help me. Acknowledge that he is the one true living God. And that his father sent him so that we could have eternal life. And that we have to make a change. And change is not going to come from the outside. It's going to come from the inside of you asking the Lord what you want. What does he want you to do? And our response when we listen to God is going to say, do what's right when it comes to my son. Accept him. Receive him. Allow him to come in and fill that hole that all of us have. Even as Christians, we have to continue to grow. We have to continue to open ourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to train us about his word and the mysteries of the kingdom so that we can go out and share his truth and make disciples. And that wonderful word that says, Lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. I thank you for joining tonight and I pray that you have heard something to help you be a stronger believer and go out because the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few. I love you. Bye-bye.